Welcome to Inspire Campfire, a podcast where ordinary people tell their stories of extraordinary adventure. These are campfire stories meant to inspire the rest of us to light the fire within, get outside, follow our dreams, and return to tell our own stories. Ready? Let's strike the match. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Scott Wurzbacher. And if you are a lover of outdoor adventure, you're probably familiar with the Leave No Trace organization and their mission to pioneer science and provide solutions for protection of the natural world. What you might not know is that they actually have paid teams who travel all around the U.S. camping out of their Subaru Outbacks and living the Leave No Trace lifestyle. You can find them educating outdoor lovers through training, workshops, and programs about how to enjoy the outdoors responsibly. And I got to tell you, it sounds like a dream job to me. Today, we have with us Jesse Villu and Elena Miyasato, and they are one of the Subaru Leave No Trace teams. These two are highly educated and full of energy and passion. Jesse has degrees, including a PhD from Michigan in engineering and design. And Elena has a degree from Clemson in biosystems engineering and a master's from Michigan in environmental and sustainability science. Now they're on the road and helping to move forward the very important work of teaching and living the Leave No Trace mission. And they join us today to tell us all about Leave No Trace and their adventures in their Subaru. Jesse and Elena, welcome to the campfire. Thank you so much for having thank us. Thank you for having us. Yeah. Excited to be here. And thank you for that very wonderful introduction. <laughs> so, so excited. I mean, you're just cruising around the U.S. in an awesome car and just camping and just living the dream. I mean, let's just start there. What's it like to be able to have such an awesome job? Well, your life and your day-to-day -day is uh, never the same. Um, you are kind of, you wake up every single morning and you have to figure out what you're going to do that day and what that day is going to be. Um, and that offers a lot of freedom. It also offers a lot of uh, potential for adventure out there. Yeah, it's awesome. And and for anybody listening or so watching um, the video, you guys are not in your tent right now. You're not in your Subaru Outback. You're actually enjoying the the luxury of some air conditioning right now, which is kind of cool. <laughs> yeah, we are. Yeah, it's <laughs> few and far between the days that we actually get to spend indoors. Um, but it also gives us a chance to clean the car, <laughs> which is a unique opportunity. Well. I love it. Well, guys, um, for people that aren't educated on Leave No Trace, can you can you start us off just kind of high level? What is Leave No Trace and, and what are you two doing for them? Yeah, absolutely. So Leave No Trace um, is a lot of different things to a lot of different people. And this is a question that we like to ask others a lot of times when we're out there doing our education. And we oftentimes get answers like, um, you know, leave it better than you found it or pack it in, pack it out. You know, those, those kind of mantras that you hear all the time. But we like to think of Leave No Trace really as a framework for how we shape our relationship with the outdoors or how we make minimal impact decisions. Um, so it's, it's, you know, not necessarily a set of rules, but it's a, it's a toolkit to kind of put you in that best position to make those minimal impact decisions. And this is something that has kind of originated out of out of the back countries, you know, deep in the wilderness, uh, you know, in that in that 
lifestyle of, of living off the land, but has really evolved over time to being something that is, is really at the forefront of the front country. So I think, you know, camping, hiking, you know, places where there's a, an actual bathroom available um, and even into cities now in people's daily lives. So it's, it's kind of this mantra that you can live by on how you can, um, you know, minimize the impact you are having on the outdoors while still ultimately enjoying the world that we get to live in. And so our, our focus as an organization is, is really education. Um, so we focus on spreading the awareness of what Leave No Trace is, what are the specific skills and, and pieces of knowledge that can help you, um, you know, better shape your relationship to the outdoors. And our objective is to really cast a wide net with this education. So really capturing as many people as possible, because you know, if you're someone who likes the outdoors, I'm sure you've realized that there are more and more people getting out there every single day. Yeah. And you know, there, there's ultimately more potential for impacts or negative impacts on the outdoors. But there's also more and more people who are potential stewards of the outdoors as well. And so we really want to focus on, you know, hitting these people, these, especially the novices who are getting out for the first time and getting them this kind of foundational knowledge that can really set them up for success in the outdoors. Yeah, that's great. And so, um, so just high level and we'll get into the details, but like, so what are you guys doing as part of your mission? We are the outreach arm of the Leave No Trace organization. So we are the boots on the ground. We're interfacing with the public as well as the federal land managers. So the forest service or the park service. Um, and all while living and practicing these principles ourselves while we're camping, living out of the Subaru. Um, and so there, there is an office staff uh, out of Boulder, Colorado of about 25 people that work on research and kind of studying what kind of communication tactics actually are most effective at reaching people. But, but then Jesse and I, um, as well as two other traveling teams right now are the ones who are actually trying to see how people respond to uh, kind of like our educational messages and we'll adapt them based on the audiences in order to reach people as effectively as possible. Um, so we also actively are getting feedback from what practices people are uh, using across the country that works for them. And we kind of have the opportunity to share those practices through our travels in ways that most people don't get to communicate across the country the way that we do. Um, so that has been really fun. That's really cool. I love that. Like, you know, I think probably most of us think of what you guys are doing as like you're out there kind of spreading a message but what i'm hearing you say is you're actually getting feedback and bringing it back to the leave no trace organization so what is some of that feedback that you guys are getting and bringing back hmm, that's a great question you know leave no trace is an organization that's based out of boulder and they mm -hmm. have this kind of a uh, little internal joke that is the boulder bubble um so you nice. know the, living in boulder you are in a community that is so, so interconnected with the outdoors. And it can be easy to kind of, you know, lose, lose the forest through the trees or so to speak. So yeah. you, it's hard to see the bigger picture and how others are interacting with the outdoors and, and what these record, what recommendations we're giving to people might just not be feasible for them to actually follow. Um, you know, is a hunter in the Southeastern, you know, states of the U S going to have the same relationship with the outdoors as, 
um, you know, a kayaker in Seattle, right? And, and so these getting this insight and, and how people, you know, what are the pain points that people are seeing with the recommendations that we're providing? What, what recommendations just aren't going to work for them and how they enjoy the outdoors? Because ultimately, Leave No Trace is, you know, a spectrum. It's not, it's not a black and white science. It's about doing the best you can um, with the position that you are in and, and still, you know, enjoying the outdoors, you know, as much as we possibly can in, in that responsible manner. Um, and so it's, it's always important for us to kind of have that circular information flow of, you know, putting out information, seeing how it, it works for people in practice, and then adjusting and recalibrating as much as we can. Yeah, that's super cool. So, I mean, what I'm hearing you say is like, there's a, there's a level here of where you're adapting to kind of almost what, you know, what, what people are, um, used to, and I guess comfortable with depending on where they are all around the country. And it sounds like what they, that what you're really trying to do is to meet people where they are. Yeah, I think that's a great way to put it. You know, we want to, you know, give people tools to help them in their experience, not set the rules for how they have to enjoy the outdoors. Yeah. And could you share some, like some examples of how, how people kind of receive what you guys are doing differently or how they kind of interact with it, um, in different areas? Yeah, we totally can. I think, um, one of the, one of the biggest ones that stick out, sticks out to us is, um, some of our experiences in inner city Detroit. Yeah, I think, the way that we adapt our, our language and kind of communicate with people changes without us even noticing because we're constantly trying to connect the natural world um, and human impacts in ways that are the most relevant, right, with the audience. And so, for example, we uh, were working with the U.S. Forest Service on an urban connections program, and we're hosting trainings and youth programs and doing outreach in urban areas. And so we were in, um, in Detroit talking about why it's important to dispose of waste properly or, or trash your trash. And one of the kids that we were uh, talking with said something along the lines of, oh, litter doesn't bother me. I see it everywhere. It's mm. whatever. Like there's nothing I can do about it. Yeah. And so if, if you come from a place where there is typically no litter, then it kind of is striking to hear this. It's heartbreaking to hear that. But mm. at the same time, it makes a lot of sense because that kid is resilient living in the city. And so we immediately realized that, um, it doesn't do much good to go into the city and talk about how if you see trash left by somebody else, you could pick it up. Or maybe trash affects animal behavior because cities already have uh, animals that have altered their behavior. And the trash uh, is a much larger problem than what can be tackled by one person. So instead, we'll try and make connections um, to what urban locals care about and how to empower each other. And so we'll play games um, that demonstrate how collective action can make meaningful change. So how much easier it is when everyone is participating in uh, trashing our trash and, and what that kind of collective impact looks like. Um, and we'll also connect it back to human health, right? So if plastic breaks down when it's left outside 
uh, we want to educate people on how it can collect in our waterways and enter our food systems. And we don't want to be eating plastic. And so uh, yeah. we want to try to reach what people actually care about, um, which often is, is human health and everything is connected. So that's a good kind of thing to talk about. Yeah, I think another great kind of case study to think about this question is, is with the example of a campfire. Right. So, so a campfire, you know, like the namesake of this podcast is kind of yeah. that ultimate symbol for outdoor recreation. Yeah. Right. And so at Leave No Trace, we have a lot of you know, research and education that is focused on all of the nuances of you know, how we can minimize different campfire impacts, whether yep. that's the specific types of fuels we use, what kind of soil we build our fire on, what locations might be best to build a fire. Um, and, and oftentimes focusing on, you know, what is an alternative to a campfire so we can perhaps suggest people that today they might not need to have a campfire because the, the most leave no trace campfire is no campfire, right? Yep. If we're not building anything, that's the least amount of risk of starting a forest fire. But if I go into an inner city area and I start talking about all the intricacies of, you know, building a fire mound to insulate the soil, um, you know, more often than not, I'm, I'm going to get blank stares, right? right. <laughs> um, and and that's, that's not what we want to have happen. And, and what we realize is that we have to want to inspire someone to actually want to enjoy their world, to want to get out there and build that campfire before we can recruit them to become you know, a steward of that land. Um, and so it's really kind of shifting objectives when we're in these different areas. You know, we have to first encourage people to want um, to, to you know, kickstart that interest and want to having that fire in the first place and then shifting the education to, okay, here's how the best ways to do it and, and the safest ways that we can make sure that we're, you know, minimizing risk. And, and we believe that, you know, we're the ones who can kind of kickstart this interest, even the ones that kick off their, their outdoor journey um, and, and kind of tie it into that strong leave no trace foundation before they're even really getting into the outdoors. That's, that's the person who's going to be best situated to kind of, you know, be an exemplary steward, you know? Yeah. Hey everyone, it's Scott here. This podcast is a passion project for me because I absolutely love adventure. And it's thanks to the effort of my residential real estate team here in Charlotte, North Carolina, that many of you know as the W Realty Group, that this podcast gets funded. This awesome group of people have unmatched levels of competence and caring for our clients. If you know of anyone looking to buy or sell a home, our team serves the Charlotte, North Carolina market, but we can also help you find an agent anywhere throughout the US or Canada through our highly connected network. When you support our real estate business, you are also supporting this podcast. Thanks for listening and thanks for your referrals. I really love that. So it's like step one is get people excited and get them outdoors. And then step two is teach them how to do it in the, in the most, in the way that leaves no trace. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's so cool. So where are some places that we might find you as you're traveling around? Ooh, where are some places that you might not find us? Might be a better question. Uh, <laughs> the, only, the only bounds that we have is the kind of lower 48. Um, so we are, we are all over the place. And we are not the only ones as well. There are two other teams that are kind of anywhere, uh, any state across the country. Um, yeah, the, the Leave No Trace traveling teams are circling around each other across the, 
lower 48 states of the US. Um, and an example of this is that we spent most of 2022 in the eastern half of the US. So we were up and down the Atlantic seaboard uh, in primarily urban areas. Uh, and then starting in 2023, we migrated west and started out in San Diego, um, but we have traveled up around the Rocky Mountains and along the Californian coasts for most of this year. And we're headed back east, slowly migrating uh, towards the end of 2023. Yeah, we, we sometimes have a bit of a wacky schedule. You know, usually we're not in a place for longer than two or three days at a time. Okay. Um, and, and oftentimes we're not traveling too far between events. You know, we try to line up our, our, our events and our programs in a way that, that you know, makes geographical sense as much as possible. But that doesn't mean there isn't the occasional week where, you know, on Monday, we're doing a program in New Mexico, and on Thursday, we're doing a program in New York, right? So, so we could be all across the country. And in that situation, are you, are you driving yourself? We are, yes. Yeah. We only travel via car. Um, yeah. We do not fly at all. Um, and we bring, bring our whole lives with us wherever we go. I mean, that sounds so awesome. I uh, I, I want to get into um, a little bit deeper the the principles of Leave No Trace, but you just kind of opened the door. So I think I, I'd really like to hear a little bit how you guys got involved and sort of, I mean, you got to be, you got to have an adventure spirit. I mean, you guys are on a perpetual road trip and uh, it sounds amazing. So can you, uh, can you kind of share a little bit about your backgrounds and, and how this all came to be for you guys? Yeah, it's a... Uh... A lot of things kind of culminating at the right time, um, but I guess for me, I grew up loving uh, hiking and exploring in the Smoky Mountains, particularly in Tennessee. Yeah. And then in high school, I got involved with the backpacking club, and that's how I was informally introduced to the concept of Leave No Trace. And from there, I was addicted to spending time outside. I uh, learned how to sail and I was teaching my friends how to backpack and then went on to ski instruct and work at a camp leading outdoor trips. Um, and so it was a, a hobby that turned into a passion that I really wanted to share with others. So you use the word addicted. I became addicted <laughs> catching the bug. like. What, what was that like for you and, and what was it that, that caused you to become addicted? Oh, at first it was the sense of freedom. I remember so specifically in high school, um, I, it was like journaling one time on a backpacking trip. I thought that it was so incredibly freeing to be able to carry everything that you needed just on your back. And it, be able to access places that are inaccessible via car or plane or any of these modern transportation methods. Um, and it seemed kind of um, primal, I guess. Yeah. But also just being able to look out at how vast the, the wilderness was. And this is in North Carolina. So there's a lot of, of cities and towns everywhere, yeah. but the, um, the woods was just expansive and um, 
and the air smelled so nice. Um, and you could hear the sounds of wildlife and, and the list goes on of things that just um, were kind of like a, a calming and also exciting um, sense of, of being outside. Yeah, you're definitely speaking my language. Jesse, how did you get that spark? Yeah, I guess take a Lana story and then invert it completely <laughs> to the opposite. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a city kid. I was born in Manhattan. I went to school out in the Burbs in uh, Westchester County. Um, so, you know, I, I might have been a little more, you know, comfortable on a subway than in a car doing a road trip. Nice. Um, but I think it was almost like that kind of attraction due to lack of exposure almost, yeah. you know, the outdoors and, and the West and the wilderness is kind of like this, this sexy foreign concept to me. Um, you know, it, it was really an alien world in many ways. So it was definitely something that was, you know, drawing me in just from, you know, it was so out there. And then once Elena and I met, um, that's when we began doing some, some real road trips. Um, and that's when I, I kind of caught the bug from her. Um, you know, we were doing sometimes, you know, 40 hour road trips in our, you know, ridiculous cars at the time I drive a, a Prius and she drove a, a Honda fit. So we were never really well equipped <laughs> for the terrain we were going into and, and getting caught out in blizzards and trapped in different areas. Um, and that's when I was like, Whoa, I actually kind of like this. Even the disastrous ones are fun. Yeah, that's awesome. So yeah. I love this. So um, born in Manhattan, um, raised in Westchester County, like, do you remember your first sort of natural, like outdoor experiences? That's a tough one. I would say, you know, New York is renowned for, you know, the city, but there is actually some fantastic, you know, wilderness once you start heading north up there. And so we, we did have, you know, access to some of these areas and heading up to especially some of the ski hills, you know, yeah. up in Hunter Mountain and those areas. That's when I kind of got the love for, um, you know, the mountains. I used to drive up there every single day, oftentimes by myself, um, and just spend the weekend, you know, skiing or snowboarding out there. You know, those were, those were really formational experiences to, you know, force myself to get out, out of those, you know, real civilization areas and, and experience some of the outdoors. Yeah, yeah. love and that. I'm I'm not a a huge city kid like Jesse, but there is um, certainly something to be said for the parks in New York City and other urban areas are an awesome way to feel like you're out in nature while still being in the middle of Manhattan. Even. Totally. And, um, you can recreate, like play sports with other people, but also you see people bird watching and there are so many different plants. There's botanical gardens. And I remember, uh, I guess I'm from Cincinnati, so a smaller city than New yeah. York, but I would go to uh, the nature camps as a small kid and we would be given like a little a one by one foot square of dirt and told like hey look in this dirt and see how many living things can you find yeah. and you can find that anywhere in whether you're in the middle of manhattan or if you're out in the tetons <laughs> which is just really cool to take that sort of lens and zoom in. Yeah, totally. And I mean, Central Park is amazing. There's parts of Central Park where you feel like you're out in the middle of the forest. It's it's incredible. So guys, um, you guys came together, you're doing these road trips, and then there's a pretty fun story of how you guys 
came to connect with Leave No Trace. I'd love to get into that. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I guess like like any job, you kind of we kind of stumbled onto it in a, a roundabout way. Um, we were we were on a ski trip with some some buddies out in uh, Bend, Oregon, and this was uh, in uh, 2022. You know, as was common in that time, um, we had some exposure to COVID. Um, so we were kind of quarantined yeah. for a, a surprise extra week um, out in bed and, and then kind of confined to our own little bubble, right? And, and so, like, I think many people had similar experiences of, of trying to get out and do new things when you're kind of forced into that situation from COVID. Um, and so Elena had actually seen a social media post from a, a drag queen named Patty Gonia. Love it. Um, who is awesome, by the way. Um, but she posted a, a, a posting for this, this Leave No Trace travel job that was sounded, you know, so out of left field for us. And um, we were like, hey, what the heck? The, the application process looks really fun. It's, it's all kind of video based. You make a video about why you would be good for this job, why you want it. Um, and we had a week of, you know, doing nothing. So we were like, yeah. Let's, uh, let's just make a video for fun. And we, you know, we hiked up to the top or we, you know, went up to the very peak of Mount Bachelor up where they have kind of those glacial uh, areas and filmed a, filmed a really cool looking video that I think uh, made us look maybe cooler than we actually were. And, and then kind of <laughs> forgot about it. Yeah. So we, we sent that in. We, uh, you know, got over uh, our COVID exposure and went back to our uh, lives. We were in, still in school at the time. And you know, a couple months later, we, we get a email out of the blue saying, hey, like, we want to go forward with this. And, and that's when, you know, the, the question of, OK, this is actually a real possibility came, came to us. And, and you know, that's a whole other can of worms because we were both not necessarily in the positions to actually take this job um, and finish school in time. Um, you know, myself, I was still working on my Ph.D. And um, we, we kind of did a, a real crunch period and condensed the last few months of our school. Elena did finish her master's degree in time and kind of for our spring start to get on the road. I did not actually finish my PhD in time. So I ended up finishing it over the next six months or so in a tent. <laughs> so I wrote my working out there. Yeah. Um, but I did, did finish going. I did defend it, you know, at the top of a mountain. Uh, which is a great story, um, and, and we we made it happen. Once once it became this actual reality, we we kind of did what we had to. Okay, uh, you got to share a little detail on that. You said you defended your PhD dissertation on the top of a mountain. Oh yeah, so you know we um, we never know where we're going to be. We we try to plan uh, ahead as as much as we can, especially when we have you know big big events like this. And I actually you know had to take some time off just to make sure I could be in an area with Wi-Fi for this because it had to be a remote defense. Um, but, you know, we were up in, you know, kind of the mountains of uh, upstate New York. I had to drive all the way up there um, from Philadelphia the day before and kind of run up there, get, you know, establish some internet connection and, you know, then give the most, you know, stressful presentation of your life. <laughs> and then... Uh, <laughs> You know, kind of bounce back into being a, a fun, uh, you know, youth educator the next day, right? So it's 
you've got to wear a lot of hats in this job and you ought to, you ought to be able to switch that kind of that mindset, you know, at the top of a hat. So what I love about this is like, you know, this, this podcast is about inspiring people to follow the voice that calls them to adventure. I mean, and this is like, you know, people come up with reasons why they can't. I mean, I've got to finish my PhD is a pretty good reason, (laughs) (laughs) but you still said yes. And you figured it out. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, would I, would I recommend this exact scenario to everyone? (laughs) Maybe not, you know, it's, it does introduce a lot of stresses to your life. Um, so you got to be the right type of, you know, you got to be open to it and then willing to do it. But if, if you kind of let these opportunities in, um, I, I firmly believe that you will be rewarded. I love it. So um, I want to come back to some of the stories you guys have experienced along the way. Before we do that, can you just kind of dive into a little bit more detail about Leave No Trace and some of the principles and the problems that the organization is solving? Yeah, um, I I guess the best way to put it is our job is to fill in two primary gaps in understanding. And that's how the natural world works and how human actions impact nature. And then we found that when people know both what to do and why it matters, they're more likely to adapt their behavior into practicing more minimal impact actions. And so the way that we teach what tangible actions people can do to help take care of the outdoors is through the seven principles of Leave No Trace. Um, And they're not rules, (laughs) they are guiding principles to help people make good decisions. So at a, at a very high level, um, yep. the seven principles are, number one, to plan ahead and prepare. So kind of the godfather of all the principles. It's, it's arguably the most important. It's, it's the thing you do before you get in the outdoors. It's, it's the research you do ahead of time. It's the gear you're bringing. It's, it's what's setting you up to be in that position to make those minimal impact decisions. Um, the second principle then is to travel and camp on, on durable surfaces. So this is really, you know, stick to trails for the most part, but, but it's understanding what surfaces are going to be you know, more hardy, more resilient for, for use and what might be more fragile, um, you know, anything from, you know, what, what is better between dry grass or wet grass and dry grass is, is going to be more durable all the way towards, you know, what are some of the impacts of, of stepping on cryptobiotic soil, which is, you know, also known as living crust or bio crust and, you know, where a single footprint can take up to 10 years to recover. And so understanding you know, what these different services are and where we should, you know, confine our usage to. Uh, the third principle is to dispose of waste properly. And so this is uh, two categories for this. This is our trash and this is also our human waste. So our, our poop, our pee, our periods, all mm-hmm. those fun things. So understanding what we need to do with those things and making sure people are comfortable asking questions. You know, the yep. worst, worst scenario you can be in is if you're in the woods and you have to go poop and you don't know what uh, to do. Um, so making sure people are comfortable and and knowledgeable about that. Um, principle number four is to leave what you find. So that's, um, you know, take only uh, pictures, leave only footprints. Um, so, you know, why you shouldn't carve your name into trees, what kind of damages that can have, uh, talking about uh, cultural sites or heritage sites. Um, you know, why you shouldn't pick, um, you know, flowers from a, from a wildflower patch and how those impacts and things that you can take can really accumulate over time. So, if, you know, if one person carves their name into a tree, that's really signals or opens the floodgates for other people, sure. how that kind of social phenomenon spreads. Yeah. Um, the fifth principle is to minimize our campfire impacts. We spoke about that a little mm-hmm. bit, but, you know, there, there's a whole host of different techniques and, and skills you can use to have a safe campfire. 
um, and understanding when you can and cannot have a fire or when you should or should not have one. For sure. Yeah. Um, number six is to respect wildlife. So that's, you know, how are we, how are we are securing our food, how we're giving wildlife enough distance to, to live their lives, um, how we can have that relationship with them while allowing them to be, you know, unbothered. So, you know, a simple, simple idea, but something we definitely see a lot of issues with, you know, especially recently in some of the national parks. Um, if anyone has followed those news, there's been a couple of instances of, you know, uh, tourists picking up animals and, and issues coming out of that. And then finally, the last principle is, is just to be considerate of other people. And so understanding that the way that we, you know, experience and interact with the outdoors alters the way that other people you know, can experience and interact with the outdoors. And so this is anything from, you know, who has the right of way for a horseback rider to a, you know, mountain biker on a trail if they're coming at each other to, you know, how to best calibrate your expectations for, you know, a visit. So you're not, you know, pissed off the whole time because you go to a, you know, a popular campground on the 4th of July and people are playing music, but you were wanting to, you know, listen to the sound of birds, right? So, so how to set your expectations correctly and properly plan your trip so that you are in that position to, you know, experience what you expected to in the outdoors. And so these are, you know, seven very kind of deceptively simple ideas, um, but there is a whole host of research and science that goes into both, you know, understanding what people should do in kind of all of these categories, and then also the, the social science aspect of how can we effectively communicate it to others in a way that's really going to inspire them to follow these ideals or, or you know, inspire that change in how they interact with the outdoors. Yeah, I love this. I mean, they do seem super simple and, and, and common sense, but at the same time, sometimes we don't know what we don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And we, because we're always on the move, we're camping most nights of the year. We are actively practicing these principles as often as possible. Um, and we also gain an understanding of the nuances and what makes some of them more difficult to practice in certain scenarios. Um, and so I think that it helps equip us to meet people where they're at um, and then help build a better understanding of each of the principles from there. I think what you said of, you know, we don't know what we don't know is exactly right. And one of the biggest challenges that we face as an organization, um, because, you know, when we when we go out and do studies, we find that, you know, if we ask someone, you know, what is your level of, of skill at Leave No Trace? The, the large majority of people will say they are, you know, an expert or a master mm -hmm. at Leave No Trace. Um, so, in, you know, in one national park, uh, 60%, for instance, said they were, you know, above average to an expert. But, you know, in that same sample of people, we'll see, you know, over half of them will say that it is very appropriate for them to leave their food scraps behind as a source for animals. <laughs> so th there's kind of this gap we're seeing here, right? People are thinking that they're very knowledgeable and very skilled at Leave No Trace, but they are also, you know, failing at some very basic concepts within Leave No Trace. And so it's, it's not only educating you know, providing this information to people who are seeking it out, but making people aware that they don't quite have the right information or they might be misinformed in some scenarios as well. Yeah, I love that. And and you guys are like, you know, you, you guys are literally like the poster children out living the leave no trace principles. Um, but you said these are principles. They're not like you must do this at all times. And I'm just curious, like if you, if they're like, as you guys have, lived these principles and practiced are there things that have 
um, have been difficult for you? Or are there some that are easier to practice than others? Or maybe just like things that have become surprising to you, like areas where maybe you didn't know what you didn't know? Yeah, I have an example before, right before starting this job. I think one of the hardest things is uh, talking about what we think we know without being sure. So for example, before starting this job, I was hiking with a friend and I, I saw them throw orange peels on the ground and I knew that it was not good to leave your orange peels on the ground, but I didn't know why. And I also had no idea how to bring it up to them without being confrontational. And so I just uh, kind of meekly went over and I picked up the orange peels and I put them in my pocket. And uh, my friends saw me doing this and they asked like, why are you picking up the orange peels? And I was like, I don't know. And so now I think that by learning kind of that, for example, we teach how orange peels and food products in general affect yeah. animal behavior to the extent of, of habituating them to places where people recreate and thus creating conflict between humans and animals. That is the information that I wish I knew in that moment, but I didn't have the words to explain. And so sometimes there are instances when you can't really have that conversation and you need that knowledge. It's a, that's a really great example, actually. I love that. I mean, you, you knew, you knew, but you didn't know how to communicate it. And that's, that's awesome. I would just add on that I feel the hardest principle for us specifically to follow is actually principle number one, to plan ahead and prepare. Mm. Because there's really two parts of that, right? It's, it's prepared, which I feel we always are because we live with our, all of our equipment and all of our stuff in our car with us at all times. So we always have the gear. But the yeah. planning aspect is something that, you know, once you're, you know, when we're talking about it, I leave no trace. We are envisioning someone who's, you know, going on a backpacking trip. They have time to think ahead. They have time to do the research. And for us, you know, that is every single day. We're moving, we're moving, we're moving. So it's easy for us to fall behind on that planning aspect. And that's one of the biggest challenges that we grapple with. But it has also led us to some of our kind of wackiest adventures that we have had out there. Yeah. So let's go there. Can you tell me about some of your wacky adventures? Oh, yeah. Well, uh, I guess uh, AJR said it best, <laughs> where a hundred bad days make a hundred good stories. And I'd say that our, pretty much across the board, our most memorable stories are when we faced inclement weather <laughs> or some sort of mishap. Yeah. You know, there Which was is... really record precipitation in a lot of the country, a lot of the West this this winter, especially. Um, you know, we were in, in Utah when they broke the record for most snowfall out there. Um, you know, we were doing programs at, at Snowbird uh, Ski Resort um, and we were in an avalanche. So, you know, we have an avalanche come down. Oh, wow. We have a little booth set up. We're talking to people and, and all of a sudden an inbounds avalanche comes down, which is pretty rare for the area. Um, and then, you know, Cottonwood, if you've ever skied out in, U in Utah, you, you're aware of, you know, little Cottonwood Canyon and, and the issues they face with avalanches but you know once an avalanche comes down it's the only way in or out so you know we're suddenly trapped in the ski resort for eight hours and so you know luckily we're we're kind of the most prepared in that situation because we have all our things with us but we're trapped with you know 200 of our closest uh, colleagues at the ski resort yeah out there. 
Um, but we've also been in, you know, heavy rainstorms, especially with some of the atmospheric rivers that came into California this year. Um, you know, we, we did some camping out in Highway 1, you know, off some pull-offs because a lot of the challenges with us planning ahead and, and you know, is sometimes inclement weather comes in and, and, you know, they will close campgrounds a lot of times because it's dangerous, right? Trees can come down. So we're, okay, thinking, okay, well, we still have to camp. So we'll, we'll pull off in an open area, you know, on the edge of the ocean where, you know, maybe it's going to be less likely that a tree falls on us. Um, but, you know, the same night we are, you know, we're sleeping in a rooftop tent on top of our car, completely exposed and just getting rocked and rocked by, you know, heavy, heavy rains and winds to the point where, you know, it's 3 a.m. We're both lying there like we've been Still in a, awake. <laughs> yeah, we've been in a tumble dryer for the last few hours. And, and I look over, I'm like, have you slept at all? And Melinda says, no. So it's like, OK, we got to bail on this situation. So, you know, it's, but as soon as Elena gets out of the car, um, you know, the whole tent starts blowing away and rips off its base. And, and suddenly we're out in the rain and the tent is flying away and we're diving on it into mud puddles and, you know, trying to wrestle it back into our kind of like wrap for the tent. And if you've ever put a tent away, you know that tents don't want to go back in their containers in the best of times, but doing it in at 3 a.m. in the middle of one of the heaviest storms right. that you've ever experienced is, is a little bit different. Um, so, you know, that ended up with us, you know, you know, over, over a 15 minute period where, you know, screaming at each other, I'm climbing on the roof of the car, I'm falling <laughs> off the car, I'm blind, we can't see, we can't even hear each other. Like and then, the yeah, and then you know, ends, ends with us, you know, limping into uh, the closest motel we could find and, you know, waking up the, the poor concierge who comes out in his underwear and is groggy and we're just standing there dripping on his floor at 4 a.m. at this point and I'm like hey we need a room right now <laughs> and like wow. so, so camping doesn't always work out um but you know at the same time you know oftentimes it, it leads you to kind of the seeing the kindness of other people so you know we've been so, also in california and you know we get to the end of the road and there's you know we, we know that we had that experience under our belt so we were like okay a little bit worried about camping so we're we're up there and, and highway one is now closed because of mudslides so we're, we've lost our last kind of respite. So we're kind of hanging out at the beach and it's getting dark. And, a, a, you know, a family comes up to us and or a couple comes up to us and says, you know, hey, you guys camping here? And we're, you know, say, well, hey, we're thinking baby. about it. Yeah. <laughs> and they say, oh, well, you really shouldn't because uh, there will be 12 feet of water by midnight up here. And we're like, oh, that's very good to know. Like, thank you. And they say, you know, oh, why don't you uh, come back and stay with us? And so, you know, it's it's we've had a 30 second interaction with these people, but they're already inviting us into their home. Now, this was a, I, I would never say a bad word about this couple because they were, they housed us for multiple nights and they were absolutely lovely to us. But when they invited us to stay in their love shack, as they called it, <laughs> yeah, we were a little bit cautious, but it ended up being um, a, a beautiful, you know, kind of compound of different little cottages that they had. And they had canceled some airbnbs because of the storms and we're just like yeah you guys have your own little cottage yeah as long as you want and, and so those kind of examples of of kindness and getting to know someone who you would have never never interacted with in like a normal life yeah are, are really the highlights out there yeah and that's that i mean that's what adventure is all about it's interesting because the 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 weather related stories you guys are telling these stories with huge smiles on your faces <laughs> and you referred to them as wacky stories I'd, I'd probably call them scary, <laughs> you know, scary situations. But I'm curious, like, is that something that you um, had anticipated when you took the job and kind of as you were on the road and 
Um, just kind of curious your, you know, how, how those experiences have, have changed you. I think in many ways, this job largely requires leaps of faith. Uh, and, and there are ways in which we can prepare as best as possible, but sometimes we do, do rely on like faith in humanity. <laughs> um, and as much as possible, we also want to help out um, if, if we have things in our car that can help other people like water or an extra shelter if their tent is getting rained in. We have that and can provide it because it's kind of like we've been on the receiving end of people paying it forward. Um, and, and the better we can prepare, the better that we are able to equip other people to enjoy their time in the outdoors. Yeah, I think that the commonality that you see across everyone you talk to is it doesn't matter who they are, but once you start talking to them about, about what we do and about protecting the outdoors, you know, everyone it can get behind that message and everyone can really open up to that. And that, that really opens up some doors if, if you are communicating that, you know, you're out here not to destroy the area, but to help protect it. You know, people are, are really, really welcoming in that scenario. And it's really, really great to see. And it's great to have these conversations with people from all these walks of life. Yeah, yeah. I can see that. Yeah. Outside of the weather stories, uh, we really enjoy having conversations with people from all walks of life. Um, and one day we'll be staying with a Yale administrator in their carriage house because we're doing a, a scouting event in Rhode Island. And then another day we'll be hanging out with houseless individuals who uh, call themselves tree people nice. in a laundromat in yeah. the Lake Tahoe region. And we'll play games and talk about pretty common like common values of yeah. how we care about uh our friends and they care about their pets and it's just a really unique opportunity to connect with people across the country um and and share in this love for the outdoors yeah i can totally see that i mean you guys are so full of energy but to show up um with this spirit of hey we're just here to help you know, I think people, it's just kind of an infectious thing and people want to kind of return that same thing in kind. I'm curious in the time that you guys have been at this, have you experienced any sort of transformations in, in others or even in yourselves? Well, internally, I mean, it is a job that is, is tiring, but it is very good for your soul. You know, it, it really kind of, you're out there, you're moving through the world, you're moving through space, you're seeing all these different people. It makes you, you know, reevaluate your priorities to some degree. Um, you know, what, what that work-life balance you want to be, you know, do you want to make a living or do you want to live your life? And, and so that's, that's definitely something that for me, I've had to like, you know, take a step back of, you know, I've been in, in kind of an intensive, you know, work situation, you know, doing a PhD and all those things and, and kind of slowing that way down for a year or two and, and, you know, figuring out where do I want to fall in between those kind of spectrum out there. Yeah. And Elena, how about you? I think that through this job, I've become a, a much better communicator. Um, and before 
traveling on the road, I, I cared a lot about the environment, but it was this very internal thing. Like it was my belief system and I didn't really know how to share it with other people. And I think that we see that a lot with many of the groups that we work with, like they care so much about the outdoor spaces um, in the areas that they're from, but too often um, that kind of comes out through scolding people or like making people feel bad about what they don't know kind of thing. And so it's been really, really wonderful to see pretty much everywhere we go, we're equipping people to have positive interactions and communicate um, how to take care of these spaces that is both empowering and also encouraging people to enjoy the spaces as well, um, as opposed to stop stop doing the things that are bad. <laughs> Yeah, I love that. How can people like learn more about Leave No Trace, get involved, help spread the message? Yeah, well, I mean, the first thing you can do is get outside. Um, But if you want to do more than that, um, you know, there are lots of different trainings that Leave No Trace offers, you know, anything from a two or even a five day, you know, intensive in the field, sometimes even overnight, you know, crash course and everything you want to know about Leave No Trace really make you that master all the way down to, you know, quick couple hour or, or less online courses that we offer on our website. And so we also have a new um, online course that's free that's launching uh, July 18th. Uh, so it might be out by the time of this podcast comes out. And um, this is free for people to take if they want to learn more at um, www.lnt.org. And so that would be a great first step for anyone to take. That's awesome. So that's a, an online class they can take through the website. Yep. It's part of our new training for all kind of mantra. That's- that's amazing. I'm a, I'll be taking that myself. That sounds awesome. really cool. So guys, um, you've, you've had this call to adventure and now you're living it. You're getting paid to travel the world. Like, this is so cool. Like what advice do you have for people listening that are inspired by what you guys are doing and really want to be able to tap into their own gifts and skills? My advice is to learn more about our connection with nature in whatever ways are most interesting to to you as an individual because we're we're so interconnected even though sometimes we are made to feel like we rule over nature or that we're we're we've too vastly impacted it so it's this i just or distant idea um but every time we go outside there's some evidence of of plants and animals and those creatures are fascinating and important and so by learning uh what they do and how we relate to them and how they help us um it really helps us kind of start that conversation and and this really happens by spending more time outside so the the best thing you can do is get outside and then think about why you love it so much and then the next step really is kind of teaching others what you've learned. And I think this job has been a great outlet to do that for us. Um, But there's so many other ways to do that, whether it's conversations with friends or uh, organizing a trip, uh, like hiking trip or backpacking trip, um, and then learning as you go um, and teaching as you go is just a great way to invite more and more people into these awesome spaces. 
just don't count yourself out. You know, I, if you heard my backstory, you would have never placed me in this role necessarily, but, but here I am. And I think, you know, in, in life, in your job, on your road trip, you know, just don't be afraid to take that detour, right? Don't be afraid to, you know, go for something that might be, you know, a, a left turn out of nowhere, because it can oftentimes lead to some of the, the best experiences that you have. I love it. Well, and so you guys are cruising around in your Subaru and you're spreading an incredible message that is, it's going to have a huge impact. It is having a huge impact. And um, I know you're having a ton of fun as you go. And Hollywood's going to pick up on you too at some point. And they're going to want to make a movie about you guys. And when they do, I want to know who's going to be the Hollywood actor and actress that's going to play you guys in your movie. <laughs> Okay, well, let's see. If it's an action movie, I'm going to go for Vin Diesel. I think we have a lot of uh, <laughs> stories. Okay. But, but if it's directed by Wes Anderson, then I'm going to go for Owen Wilson. Oh, okay. Yeah, all right. He's got a new movie out, I think, right now, actually. You go either way, yeah. Yeah, Owen Wilson. Okay, I love it. All right, Elena, how about you? Um, I was thinking more in terms of my my life overall. I would choose Emma Watson as the young me and nice. then Michelle Yao as my older self. <laughs> okay. All right. Very good. I love this. Uh, what's the movie going to be called? Get Out. Side. Don't Get Outside with the parentheses <laughs> around the side. It's a horror comedy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a horror comedy. Okay. And uh, either Vin Diesel or Owen Wilson and Emma Watson, Michelle Yao. I love yeah, this. That's quite the billing right there. <laughs> yeah, I love it. This is going to be fantastic. Well, guys, thank you so much for spending some time with me here today and helping to me to learn a little bit more about the Leave No Trace uh, principles and what you guys are doing. And thank you for the work that you're doing. It's, it's, it's incredible. And uh, I know you're following that call to adventure and it's just really inspiring to watch. And for those listening, I hope you've been inspired today as much as I have. I hope that Jesse and Elena's story has encouraged you to listen to the voice inside that calls you to adventure because we want to hear your story next. If you have a story to tell or just need a nudge to create one, please send me an email. We'd also appreciate it if you'd help us spread the word by leaving a review and sharing or tagging Inspire Campfire in your social media. And until next time, I want to encourage you to get outside. Thank you for listening. Jesse, Elena, thanks so much for being here. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us.